don't know the power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello, welcome along to Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. And we are looking at the movie Bombshell, WandaVision, which is on Disney+, Plus, and also that riveting documentary, which everyone is talking about at the moment, that is Framing Britney Spears. Joined, as always, by Lisa Tracy. Hi, Lisa. Good evening, Gary. And hi, Dave Coyne. Hi, Gary. Hi, everybody. So let's kick off with some breaking news to come through in the last few days. And that is the new Mission Impossible movie and A Quiet Place Part 2 are going to be heading to Paramount's streaming platform after 45 days in theatres. This seems to be the future of cinema, of distribution, of video on demand. Interesting because, of course, Tom Cruise was the guy who went and saw Tenet in a cinema in London when one could during the whole COVID-19 pandemic. And I suppose the reality is kicking in that this whole video on demand thing, it's so competitive, it's going to be the future. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Gary, this was kind of mooted in like 1996 with Cable Guy, where, you know, uh, um, Jim Carrey was on the top of the dish in the finale of the movie going, you'll be able to shop and get all your movies. And everyone's going, what's he, what's he talking about? And now, now, like, you know, pretty much the whole Western world has internet of some description, you know, even if it's middle of the road broadband. Um, and, you know, um, COVID has just accelerated the inevitable here. And it's like, we want to be able to, you know, the younger generation want to consume stuff on their phones and their iPads. You know, the future is sitting in your home, watching the latest movie, paying a premium price for it. Um, and you also have to pay for your broadband and you also have to pay for your electricity and you also have to pay for your TV and your couch and all the rest of it. But you can pause and you can put some fresh popcorn in the microwave and get a cup of tea and go to the loo and come back and unpause. And that's not the future at all, Gary. That's today, man. That's today and the future. But you're, you're not in the zone. Watch, watching a movie at home, there's so many distractions. I don't think you really fully get the, that opportunity of digesting and really escaping into a movie. I think my main problem is the phone. Like if I if because I have my phone when I'm watching something streaming it on to the TV, I am not paying as much attention as I would be if I was seeing it in the cinema. So I I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the movie if I'm not watching it with the phone turned off. I suppose yeah. the way it's going from what they've done at Paramount is they are doing cinema releases, but it's the case of so someone can go and watch a movie in a cinema if they want if they really want to see it. Like we'll say the James Bond upcoming movie whenever it will be released that'd be a good example but then if there isn't that die hard attitude to see the movie within the first few weeks in cinema you can say well do you know what? i can watch it in six weeks time at home and that seems to be the way it'll be um so anyways let's move on to a movie which came out last year an oscar-winning movie um well it was kind of released christmas 2019 but it's on amazon now and it's based on a true story and they won the Oscar, actually, for makeup. And it's no doubt because they did a, an amazing job on Charlize Theron. It is Bombshell. So, Dave, give us the heads up, if people aren't familiar with the story, as to what Bombshell is about. So Bombshell is um, the story of, um, it's kind of the origin of the Me Too movement, where um, 
this group of um, uh, female uh, news reporters, uh, one is slightly over the hill on paper. The other one is, you know, the the big cheese. And the other one is an up and coming, you know, she wants to be, uh, you know, she wants to have her own show on Fox News. And it's all on Fox News. And this is a, based on the true story of uh, Roger Ailes, who was the character played by John Lithgow in this brilliantly with amazing makeup as well. People forget the makeup that he had on in this movie. Hmm. Um, and it's the true story of his his downfall, essentially, with the Me Too movement, where he was accused of um, sexually harassing these women over many, many years. You know, uh, I won't go into details, but, you know, sexually harassing them is all I need to say. And... Then, you know, he had to deal with Rupert Murdoch. And at the end, there's a a shocking spoiler alert here, people. But there's a shocking thing at the end where they paid the Rupert Murdoch's News Corp or whatever they're called. They own Fox News. They paid like $50 million to these to the survivors of this sexual harassment. They paid more money to Roger Ailes in his um, severance package severance package than they paid to the to the women which is just horrendous but anyway it's a really good movie um charlie's theron plays the kind of current top of the heap uh tv star she's got her own show on fox news and the makeup as you said is amazing because these three women uh nicole kidman plays the slightly older lady and she's the one that's been edged out because she's not playing ball anymore uh, pardon the pun, and um, you know, um, she is being kind of edged out, and she kind of brings this. She gets fired, and then she brings this suit against Roger Ailes, and it's all about his downfall. And then Margot um, Robbie plays this young up and coming girl who's you know gorgeous girl, and um, she's in Roger Ailes's office, and she's undergoing this sleazy sexual harassment happening right now, and it's a very very interesting film, and and kind of. Sad that this is this actually is reality for a lot of women. Um, so, Lisa, what did you make of Bombshell on Amazon? Well, I actually saw it in the cinema for though for though when we could go to the cinema and see it, mm-hmm. and uh, watched it again on Amazon at the weekend. So, of course, two different experiences. You know, I was fully focused, and I, there wasn't anything that I was dying to see again because it was that kind of movie that you just you didn't need to see it again. You saw it and you were like, okay, this isn't, this isn't a, it isn't gripping, shall we say. It's, it's, it's sleazy and it's creepy. And, you know, you go, yeah, it did happen because it's, you know, Megan Kelly and all the true people are in it. And I have to say the Murdochs were played fantastically. It's a hard, it's a hard movie because you're just, you're, you're creeped out and you kind of, you know what's going to happen if you've read up on it at all. And, um, Roger Ailes, John Lithgow just, he knocks it out of the park. He really, he takes it to another level. He's amazing. Um, Charlie Theron is her makeup. Like she just, she's not her anymore. She really embodies Megan Kelly. And it's great to see like the, the backstory to 2015, 2016 and the whole Trump administration and how that came about because Fox news has a lot, a lot to do with that. Um, but just to see the inner workings, like it's it's good, but it wasn't it wasn't gripping. I wasn't I wasn't dying to see it again. I was just I was like, yeah, okay, it's good. So, Dave, what did what did you make of it? Did you find it gripping? You know, I did. I have to say, I found it gripping, and it's 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 an important film in terms of obviously the makeup is something that people are over talking about because 
Um, Charlize Theron is made up to look like uh, Megyn Kelly. And Megyn Kelly famously, in reality, was the lady who Trump had a set on because she asked Trump some hard questions in the primaries before he became president. And then he started tweeting about her and he, he, he you know, really damaged her brand and, you know, harassment. And that's another level of harassment that a man has done to a woman in this story. But, you know, it's an important movie. And like in the past, thankfully in the past, you know, sexual harassment was like somebody raping somebody else, usually a man raping a woman, usually. Uh, not that I say that it's not happens the other way around, but like apparently Margot Robbie said that, you know, she, the reason she joined this film is because she didn't realize that sexual harassment didn't have to be physical, you know? And this guy, uh, she plays a fictional character called Kayla, something or other, who's a fictional composite of various other young up and coming uh, wannabes in Fox News. And the scene where he sexually harasses her, he doesn't touch her. He's sitting in a chair and he gets her to lift up her skirt and turn around and whatever. And, and you know, that is that is sexual harassment in a big way. Um, and even Margaret Robbie herself said that's what made her join this the this film because she she didn't realize herself that it didn't have to be physical. So I think it's an important film from that point of view. And I think it because of the true story, um, because the the, the 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 dynamics of Nicole Kidman's character comes out and says this guy sexually harassed me for years, and then people are saying, oh well, you got famous and you got rich because you got sexually harassed. That that wasn't a defense, you know, against his actions. And then because um, Megan Kelly, played by um, Charlize Theron, was in a position of power, she didn't want to say anything for a while. She was holding back. And everybody in Fox News was like, Megan, why aren't you speaking up for Roger and saying Roger's great? And she just kept her powder dry uh, because he let her, you know, get destroyed by Trump. And then this other lady, Kayla, who's young and impressionable and who is sexually harassed in the story of the movie, not historically like the other two. She then, um, towards the end of the movie, Charlize Theron's character, Megan Kelly, admits it and says, yes, he did. And kind of puts the, pre- puts the, she's the, she makes the dam crack open. And there's a great scene between Margot Robbie and uh, Charlize Theron where Margot Robbie is in it. Like she's suffering this sexual harassment now, like in the current day. And she's in tears and she's like, what about, what about the people coming behind you? You know? You did, this happened to you years ago and you got everything you wanted and you maybe you got over the trauma, maybe you didn't, but I'm in it now because you didn't stand up for yourself and you didn't put a stop to his actions. Um, and it's a great scene where Margot, Margot Robbie is, you know, she's, she loves Fox News and she, Fox News and she wants to be on it. And then there's one day, they're all wearing skirts the whole time because they kind of have to, but it's an unwritten rule. Then she's wearing jeans at the end and she kind of rips off her, her badge and she kind of throws in the bin and walks out and she's like, I've had enough of this stuff. So I thought it was a very important movie. I thought it was a good movie, well-made movie, like not spectacular, you know, dialogue or cinematography and like that. Just well-made, good story, very important story. Okay, so Lisa, out of 10 for Bombshell. That would be six out of 10, Gary. Six out of 10. And Dave? Eight out of 10. Ooh. Whoa. Wow. Wasn't expecting that. I mean, I give it the eight out of 10 because, you know, it, it, not the movie, but the, the story that the movie is telling is an important story, as I said. And it kind of kicked off the Me Too movement. And I hope that the Me Too movement isn't a movement anymore. It's just a way of life because young boys need to be taught, and young girls, how to comport yourself sexually 
in the world and have respect for other people. So I think just on that alone, it's a very important movie and very well made. So I'm going to give it an eight. Okay, fantastic. Well, speaking of true stories, it's a story that we all lived through on a on a weekly basis, daily basis at one stage during the 90s. And that was Britney Spears, her rise to fame and what seemed to be her demise then, shaving her head and the paparazzis covering that and uh, losing custody of her children to her ex. And I suppose then it was a case of losing her ownership of everything that she earned and, and built over the years to her father, who became her conservator of her assets. And then she kind of made a comeback to a degree in Las Vegas, but very much uh, an enigma for us compared to the Britney that we knew of the 90s. Um, and it was sad to look back and see how she was treated by the media uh, and the general public. But then what actually frightened me was the way she was picked at and the questions that she was asked that you would never ask any woman was just un, unreal. Um, and it really, I think, made us look deeply into the sort of people we were during the 90s following these stories of Britney Spears and almost being entertained by her demise and the shaving in the head and this erratic woman that we were seeing on Perez Hilton's website and so on. So... Well done to the New York Times. They brought this, I think, important documentary to the fore, whether it's a great documentary or not as such, in terms of technicality, an important story to unfold and and look back on. So, Dave, um, I know I did a bit of a spiel about it, but in your own words, framing Britney Spears, what's it about? Well, it's about a kind of a recent movement, recent to my knowledge, but it's a recent movement um, that kind of got started by Instagram and these two girls decided that they were, they, they loved Britney's uh, Instagram feed and then they decided to start overanalyzing and they decided to do a podcast. You know how powerful podcasts can be, right? <laughs> and uh, so they decided to do a podcast about it and it started getting traction. And then they, then, um, you know, they started sending messages to Britney on, on, on Instagram and saying things like, you know, Britney, if you're feeling trapped, wear pink tomorrow or whatever. And then the following day, she'd be wearing pink. And they were really like forensically analyzing her Instagram feed. And that generated this free Britney movement, which kind of uncovered all of this stuff that we weren't aware of. I wasn't aware that Britney Spears was in this position until this documentary came to my attention. So uh, you kind of summed it up there. Her, her, she, she had a mental breakdown. And sadly for her, she had a mental breakdown. Uh, forgive me for being facetious here, but she had a mental breakdown before it was cool. You know, before it was normal, before it was acceptable. Like now we're in COVID times, people on the news, people on Sky News are talking about mental health issues and mind yourself and wellness. And everybody's company is talking about wellness and looking after yourself and your mental health because everybody on the planet is feeling it. However, 20 odd years ago in the late 90s, early noughties, when Britney Spears was at the top of her game and Oops, I Did It Again was like a mammoth hit and she was making hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever it was, tens of millions of dollars. Mental health was not... A thing on planet Earth. It was a taboo. Jesus, oh, your man or your one has gone a bit off the rails. No, no, no. She was harassed by the paparazzi, uh, like to the point of literally shaving her head in rebellion against this persecution. So she was persecuted to the point of having a mental breakdown. And this documentary kind of highlights the fact that her father and potentially other businessmen are 
immorally profiting off her because a conservatorship in the US, uh, it's it's very much a US only kind of thing. We don't really have that. Power of attorney is another way of saying it. So the conservatorship, she she can't decide where to work, how to work, what to do with her money, where to live. She's pretty much a prisoner, essentially, to her father. And that the conservatorships are held, you know, are, are kept for, you know, elderly people who are very wealthy, generally, because otherwise people don't care, uh, who have lost, you know, they might have dementia or Alzheimer's and they're not, they've lost their compass mentis and they're not able to look after themselves. So somebody steps in and goes, look, we're going to look after you, you know. But she is a, what is Brittany, what age is Brittany now, 40 or something now? No, 39. 39. So she, you know, she's a young woman. And like there's those lawyers there saying, well, if she's got, you know, compass mentis enough to say X, then she shouldn't be in a conservatorship. But Mm -hmm. the judges, so it's a very, very bad situation for Brittany to be in. And I really hope for her sake and for her kids' sake that um, she can break out of this conservatorship. Lisa, were you a fan of Brittany in the 90s? Or were you more oasis or... (laughs) I was all of them, but especially a fan of Britney. She was my my idol for so long, and I followed every move she, move she made. I, I I knew all the songs. I still know all the songs. I've been playing it since I watched the documentary, all of her back catalogue, and <laughs> she's just so talented, and, and she's not given the credit for the talent that she has, I don't think. I think all the the scandal that goes with her story has overshadowed her actual talent. But uh, I thought it was a great documentary needed to be shown. Um, like these these things go on in the world, like conservatorships and people being taken advantage of, especially in America. But um, it was it was it was a sad documentary was the the overall feeling I had from watching it because you were watching it going, this girl is she's completely competent. She's, you know, if you follow her on Instagram, she's having a laugh. She's having some fun, but you know, whether she's sending secret signals to anybody, I can't decide that, but um, it's up to her to tell her true story whenever she gets a chance, but to, to be taking like all of her money, cause she's worth something like 200 million or she's worth way more than 200 million. And what, what they're saying, what she gets, you know, he just, he has all the control and she's nearly 40. And, but the saddest thing about the whole thing was that she got her, the custody taken off her by her husband. That was like this, or her ex-husband. Um, that was the saddest part. It's, but I, I still, I think she's a phoenix that's going to rise from the ashes, but she's not like, she, not that her career is dead or anything, but just that she is, she's going to make a comeback and I, I will be front row for, for that. Yeah, hopefully when she makes her comeback, she's she'll get has the benefit her of full it. ownership. Exactly. Uh, of her, of herself. Yeah, I mean the the one the one horrible phrase that I just sticks out for me in the whole uh, debacle is one of these dudes who works with her father, some lawyer dude. He was like, he he filed a petition saying this is a hybrid business model. It's oh. like, no, this is a person's life that you are controlling, and you wouldn't even be here if she was worth two hundred dollars. But mm-hmm. the fact that she's worth two hundred million dollars—that's why you're here. You probably mm-hmm. never even met her. You're just sk- skimming money off of her, and um, it's it's very very sad. And and I I'm not a big Britney fan one way or the other. Like she's, I'm not a big music person. But um, I hope she prevails. I really do. Yeah, they they wanted a wage increase, hence why they were talking about this hybrid business model. I yeah. mean, just sad, pathetic, yeah. mm-hmm. sad. But let let's flip it. On the other side, Dave, 
if this was a bloke who had a bit of a mental breakdown and shaved the head and lost custody of his children or whatever, do you think he would end up where his father or mother was in complete control of his assets? Absolutely not. I mean, one lady actually said that in the documentary. She said, if this was a man in the United States, this would never happen to a man in the United States. And she's right. Sadly, the United States is still a a misogynistic kind of male-dominated arena, sadly, uh, in my experience, in my view. Um, uh, Thankfully, you know, the tide is turning and, you know, we need more female power and female leadership in the world because, you know, women know a lot more things than we do. But, you know, in terms of um, yeah, she's it, it, that lady who said that in the in the in the documentary. Is so right because if you think about a, a parallel, uh, you know, and he's dead a long time. Is Michael Jackson? You know, he he is a comparable figure, huge talent, like talent beyond imagination. Just maybe a bit more talent, in fact, than Britney. Uh, he probably paved the way for Britney's abilities, but uh, you know, he was. Do- we all know he was doing all sorts of. We're not going to get into it, but he was doing all sorts of wrong. Okay. Nobody stepped in. Nobody took control of his life. People pandered to whatever he wanted. He was buying tigers and monkeys and Bubbles the monkey. And there was kids inappropriately all over the place. Nobody stepped in. Nobody said boo to him. Britney and, and Michael Jackson did not have the pestering of the media like Britney had. He had paparazzi, but on a much lower level because Britney's the peak of Britney's fame came at the time when paparazzi was in its heyday. Like paparazzi have kind of died away as a career because we have Instagram. People are taking their own photos. You know, the, the market for magazines on the shelf to, to flick through when you're at the dentist looking at people, that, that, that market is dying. Nobody buys magazines anymore. Nobody's printing magazines in the same volume anymore. And, you know, people have Instagram. Um, so... Britney's career was at the pinnacle of paparazzi activity. And these guys were getting a hundred grand for a photograph of Britney picking her nose or whatever the hell it was, some candid photograph. And so there were literally dozens and dozens of these freaks chasing her around seven days a week, 365 days a year, all day long. And that would drive anybody mad. So um, poor old Britney had this extra pressure. And she was a woman. And she's perceived as this girl next door, young, innocent, yada, yada, yada. She was vilified by um, Timberlake, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. And then she was the bad guy. And I like, you know, she felt a lot of pressure. And um, yeah, I don't think so, Gary. I'm going around a long way here. Yeah, no mm-hmm. way. There's no way. Think of all the male pop stars, rock stars, drinking, cavorting, you know, women in every town and drinking and drugs and Johnny Cash the drugs he did and they might go to rehab for three months and come out with a clean shaven head and a new haircut and a black jacket and say oh, I'm cured I'm never drinking again but nobody's going to take their power take their money and take their career away from them like Britney's father has done to her no way okay so Lisa out of 10 for framing Britney Spears I give it an 8 out of 10 Dave I gave it a five and a half Ooh! Now the reason I'm giving it a five and a half, I'm give, the reason I'm giving it a five and a half is it it was a very interesting story, but it was a pretty simple story. And as a documentary, the documentary was pretty basic. It was pretty, you know, ropey and news footage and handheld cameras. It was very haphazard as a documentary. No offense to the documentary makers. This is fresh stuff. 
it was done pretty quickly. A lot of this stuff is happening like in the last couple of months and during COVID as well. So I'm going to give them a COVID pass. But when I sat there and watched the documentary and I analyzed it as a documentary, the the shots, just the structure of the documentary was a bit, I don't know, a bit DIY, a bit haphazard, a bit inexperienced. Uh, and and they were they were getting to where they, they got the audience that they got because of the subject matter, because it was Britney and because it was in the news and because it was all over Instagram and hashtag free Britney. That's why they got the audience they got. The documentary itself was a little flat. And on the flip side of that, I've seen documentaries where the subject matter was flat and the documentary was amazing and the cinematography was amazing and the graphics and the cutting. and the So that's why I'm giving it a five and a half. Okay, well, we're tight on time now, so we'll just quickly look at WandaVision, which is on Disney+. And you might be familiar with the characters of Wanda and Vision if you were following Marvel and Avengers over the, the last number of years. For me, I was watching the Marvel movies of Avengers, but I wasn't very familiar with who Wanda and Vision were. They were just these kind of characters just popping up in the middle of the movie, maybe just to make sure it ended up being a three-hour movie. But it's getting a phenomenal reaction. Dave, tell us about this new release from Marvel. Yeah, I don't know how I can... (laughs) How can I summarize this? Uh, Let me just say, I haven't seen it all. I've only seen three episodes or seven episodes, I believe. I've seen three of them. Um, And it took three to get any kind of traction. Um, Like They're taking a lot of liberties here in terms of narrative structure and what audiences are prepared to put up with. Uh, so basically, we arrive and we meet uh, Wanda and Vision, who we all know from the Marvel movies as, um, uh, what's her name, Wanda Maximoff. And Vision is Tony Stark's Vision with the Infinity Stone or whatever kind of stone is in his head. And he's a manufactured mechanical dude. Who used to be Jarvis. Who used to be Jarvis, yeah. And they they have a romance in the movies, apparently. And they're a married couple in 1950s America very much in the in this kind of mirroring, you know, bewitched, you know, wiggling the nose and magic and black and white, uh, four or three aspect ratio, real cheesy dialogue. And it's nonsensical. And you're thinking, what the hell am I watching? And then there's these tiny little anomalies of a radio crackling going, Wanda, come in. Wanda, can you hear me? And, you know, it's kind of so they're obviously, I don't know. I don't know where they are or what they're doing because I've only seen three episodes, but it's like they're in the Matrix or something, you know, and it's like. Somebody has trapped them and somebody's doing something to them. And then there's these weird ads where it's got Hydra, who are the bad guys, or Studeroff or whatever. Ultron. Who's the name. Ultron is another dude, but Studeroff is the name of the scientist who who kind of created Maximoff, the Maximoff twins and all this weird stuff. And they're like, so how did you guys meet? And they're like, how do we meet? Um, how do we meet? Uh, how do we meet? That kind of thing. It's weird. Uh, it's interesting. And by this, after the first episode, I was like, oh, for goodness sake, lads, will you come on already? And then by the second episode, I was like, okay, maybe. And by the third episode, I was like, okay, we're on a winner here, maybe. So jury's still out. I'm three episodes in, but I think by the end of the weekend, I'll have watched the rest. Lisa, how far into one division are you? I've watched it all, Gary. <laughs> so you can I'm do all seven. the spoilers. I can do all the spoilers. No, I no, won't you can't, do any spoilers. <laughs> I would never do that to an Avengers anything. No, out of respect, Marvel forever. Um, I didn't like the start of it. I was just like, oh, this, this is so tedious. 
And but it was it was good, but it was just tedious because I felt like there was like layers and layers that we needed to like just reach through. And then uh, and it took until four and then you kind of get to five and you figure it out. And by seven, you're like, no way. So there's a twist in seven. So there you go. That's my only spoiler. Twist in seven. There you go. Okay, but com- compare it to the movies then. I mean, <laughs> nothing is this... like the movies right. at all. It's not it's not got the same pace as an Avengers movie. It's 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 kind of it's like watching like the first episodes are like the first two episodes are like Bewitched. The second or the third episode is like um the Brady Bunch meets Family Ties and then we move on to Spoiler alert, pause, stop, don't say a oh, word. Sorry. Okay, fine. Sorry. But then we move on to a more modern situation, yeah. Yeah. which is like a modern clan, if you will. <laughs> but like some of the reviews, like people have said, don't worry about anything up to episode four. It gets good then. But like, are we only giving it the respect and our time to watch three to four episodes before we get into it? Because it's Marvel, because it's Disney. Yes. Like if this was something else. We'd... Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it, Gary. That's, I was sitting there going, this is Marvel. These guys have created, and Kevin Feige is executive producer. Like these guys have created some of the best cinematic moments in modern history. And I mean, I, I, like in, in Avengers um, Endgame, spoiler alert, you know, the movie's what, two and a half years old at this stage. Mm-hmm. Like when, I'm not a big overreactor in the movie, you know, like I'm more of an internalizer, but I'll tell you when Captain America picked up Thor's hammer more in, I can never pronounce the more in your, more in your, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> I literally was like, yeah, go on. Yeah. I, was, I felt like I was at a hurling match or something, you know, I was like, <laughs> get in there. And, and every time I watch it since, so, you know, somebody will share it on, on Facebook or Instagram or something. And I'll, I'll play it press play. And that scene will just be there. So I, on the back of that kind of level of emotional commitment and masterful storytelling over 23 movies, exactly what you said, Gary, I'm watching this, I'm sitting there trudging through this nonsense going, okay, there's going to be a payoff. These guys know what they're doing, Uh, you know, and and I haven't got there yet. I'm looking forward to this evening or maybe tomorrow evening when I can watch the rest of it. So Lisa, before you give us your score, is one division once you get like halfway through it, does it suddenly become like, wow, 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 wow. Or is it like, all right. I don't think it becomes wow, 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 wow. Until episode seven. I, I think it goes, uh-huh. Yeah. I gotcha. I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to keep going with this because I want to know, cause there's more to it. And there's a lot, there's a lot of layers, as I said, but uh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was happy with this by seven, but that's only because I went on Twitter and somebody said, oh, wait, you get to episode seven. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to stick with this and I'll keep going. And I did. So yeah, happy. Sounds like a diet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sounds like a diet. Days. Like at the beginning, it's like, oh God, oh God. And then two months later, you're like, oh my God. And then six months later, you're like, yeah, I look great. I feel great. It's like, no. Nah. Yeah, I missed the Avengers. Okay, well, I suppose the short enough episode. So you'd be on episode seven after maybe three hours or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lisa, yes, out of Gary. 10 for one division. Okay, I'm going to be your Have real. Have seen it all? I've seen it all, but I'm still going to be kind of critical and I'm giving it a six out of 10, Ooh. which I think is valid because I don't think, 
um, a TV series, Disney or Marvel, or no matter what it is, should have to wait until episode three or four to finally get the hooks into you. It's like, if you haven't got me in 10 minutes, then you really really should have lost me. That's a fair point, Lisa. Yeah, I think you're you're on the money there, yeah. Thanks. There you go. Six out of 10. Dave, after three episodes of not knowing what the hell's going on. After three episodes, (laughs) I'm intrigued. So I gave it a seven and a half out of 10 because I'm intrigued because I'm like, you know, I want to know more and I will know more. But um, I think Lisa's right. It's like, you know, uh, I shouldn't have to earn it. It's like Disney money. It's it's like I feel like I bought a a packet of, um, you know, Mars pick and mix fun size. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'd love a few Milky Ways. And it says Milky Way on the bag. There's only one Milky Way. And 55 Mars bars. And I'm like, but that's not right, lads. You're not giving me what I want. You're not, you're just, you know, you're teasing me with this one little piece of stuff that I want. And I have to wade through all the other stuff. And I think Lisa's onto it there. Like, they're just, I think they're taking liberties with people's time by drawing it out over three episodes before you actually crack the nut of the thing, which is essentially a feature film. It's like uh, an hour and a half before they actually say, ah, you know, if, like if you watch The Matrix, you couldn't do an hour and a half before he has the, the, the red pill, you know. Or before Marty McFly gets into the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> just an hour and a half to skateboarding. An hour and a half of, of skateboarding <laughs> and uh, Biff punching him in the head. <laughs> and then he finds a DeLorean. Come on, give me a break already. Okay, so there you go. That is WandaVision on Disney Plus at the moment. That is it for this episode of Just Like in the Movies. Don't forget, you can find us on social media. We also have a website as well, jlitmovies.ie. Lisa and Dave, thank you as always. Pleasure. Pleasure. Our next episode will be available next Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. GMT. So every episode goes out on all podcast platforms from half eight GMT every Tuesday evening. So we talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.